Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host. Welcome, everyone, to ACHE's Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm your host for today, Eric Sperling. This episode is brought to you by Elsevier. As misinformation multiplies, giving your clinicians easy access to the most trusted current evidence-based information is more important than ever. Elsevier's Clinical Key can help. Download the executive brief at trustclinicalkey.com. All right, our guest today is Carrie Owen Pleats, Chair of the American College of Healthcare Executives and Regional President of Kaiser Permanente, Northern California. Let me tell you a little bit about Carrie. Board certified in healthcare management as an ACHE fellow. Carrie served as an ACHE governor from 2016 to 2019, as a regent from 2013 to 2016, as a chapter president and on numerous ACHE committees. In 2010, she received the Robert S. Hudgens Memorial Award for Young Healthcare Executive of the Year. In her current role, Carrie oversees all of Kaiser Permanente's care delivery and health plan operations in Northern California, which serves 4.5 million members and has 21 hospitals. Before joining Kaiser Permanente in 2020, Carrie served as Executive Vice President and COO for the Hospital Division of Wellstar Health System in Marietta, Georgia, as COO and then CEO for Sutter Medical Center in Sacramento, and as COO for Sutter Mills Peninsula Health System in Burlingame, California, among other roles. In addition to her service at ACHE, she is a member of the Virginia Commonwealth University Medical College Alumni Committee and co-chair of the Bay Area Council Health Committee. Carrie earned an executive fellowship in health law and a master's degree in health administration from Virginia Commonwealth University and a bachelor of science in health administration from James Madison University. With that introduction, Carrie, welcome into the Healthcare Executive Podcast. How are you? Oh, Eric, thank you so much. What a wonderful introduction. It is great to be here. All right. First up, we'd love to hear more about this guiding principle uh, you've mentioned in previous interviews. Uh, it goes something like this. Healthcare leaders can't go wrong if we keep the patient at the center of every decision. And it sounds easy enough, but how do you work to incorporate this into your leadership approach every day? Great question, Eric. Well, of course we have to put the patient first and that's just what we do. And yet, if you look at how we design many of the workflows from registration, clinical pathways to billing, are we really putting the patient at the center? I think most would agree we could improve how we make our processes more patient-centered. We face tough decisions daily as healthcare leaders, and especially now. Uh, leaders need to pause and, and reflect on the question, is, the absolute best, is this the absolute best thing that we can do for our patients? To help keep our patients at the center of everything we do, um, one of the things that I do and many other healthcare leaders uh, and my mentors of the past, we make site visits to all of our clinical care sites. Um, luckily, I've been able to get out to all of our medical centers uh, since joining the team in November and, and seeing all of their action and all of their teams uh, live and in action. And I put that as part of my regular schedule. Actually, it's the best part of, part of my job. Uh, but meeting with our frontline teams uh, just provides me with the insight into their work uh, that they're doing every single day to care for our patients and also what we might do differently to ensure an exceptional experience for our patients. So feedback from the frontline is so important. It gives me context to make decisions that impact the care delivery. 
So this can range uh, anywhere from the simplest example of moving items around on a mobile app, which was the recent recommendation I got on Monday um, from one of our team members while rounding, to uh, also incorporating the patient and family's advice as we design the latest um, medical complex at our, at our Redwood City campus. You know, I loved it because I was walking into the building. It was the idea of picking up a latte, whatever coffee of your choice, right? Uh, as you're entering the facility and being able to get your lab work, your imaging work done seamlessly on the same floor without additional paperwork while your family member uh, picks up their prescription um, if they decided to pick it up, otherwise it could be mail order delivery to their home and picks up the being able to read the latest information um, from our well-being library. Uh, and then they can sit outside in the lovely sunny air, fresh California air, uh, waiting for their loved one as they finish up their procedure. This is what, this is what I'm talking about, about being a firm believer that we do our best work as leaders when we harness the thinking and energy, creativity of our frontline teams and the advice of our patients and families. Yeah, I loved hearing that and loved hearing that that perspective feedback from the front lines. And of course, so many challenges with that because we're conducting this interview here in June of 2021. And the last 12 or 15 months, though, we've seen so many barriers to patient care, so many existing issues amplified. Um, and one of these is the need for increased mental health services. So, Carrie, can you talk about Kaiser Permanente's commitment to meeting this need? Yes, thank you, Eric. Um, I'm this has been a really tough year mm -hmm. for everybody. And if you think about it, mental health was already in a crisis level before the pandemic ever, ever. Right. Um, so I'm extremely proud of what Kaiser Permanente's done and its commitment to mental health services and just the breadth of work we've been doing to meet the needs um, of the community. So I'll share a couple of few examples maybe of our innovative an integrated patient care model, which is something I think is a little unique to Kaiser Permanente. Sure. Um, so we've expanded our mental health services and facilities. So we've got a 14 geographic service areas within Kaiser Permanente, Northern California, and we're adding significant mental health and wellness capacity to better serve our members. So most recently we opened the doors um, of our Stockton Medical um, Behavioral Health uh, Campus, offering services to pediatric members and adults um, but it's offering more space for additional 14 provider offices and two group rooms. That's just part of what we've committed of $649 million just in Northern California, just focused on mental health since 2016. And it doesn't stop there. That covers about 30 different projects, ultimately adding 400 net provider offices on an, in 116 new patient groups rooms. And we also know it's not just about the space or additional providers, which are so incredibly critical. It's about providing mental health and well-being services where our members need it most. So I'm also excited about the new innovations, especially in technology that you're seeing across the country and also within Kaiser. So we've got smartphone apps um, that are supported. So if you join Kaiser Permanente as a member, you automatically get um, access to the Calm app, which we, if you haven't downloaded it. Love I the Calm app, Carrie, right. big app. fan. Oh. Every, every single night, it's the Thunderstorm app. Um, <laughs> yes. 
for me every time. But it has, you know, you know, Eric, because it's guided meditation for sleep, anxiety, stress, and just helps also with gratitude. We also have an app called My Strength as well. And My Strength, if you haven't heard of it, it's great as well. And so that offers um, emotional health services, helps you create personalized plans for everyday life stressors, again, such as anxiety, stress, or sleep disorders. But you can also use My Strength in conjunction with therapy uh, with our therapist um, provided within Kaiser Permanente. So that's such a few things. So the physical expansion, virtual expansion, and then also we had um, what you have beyond Kaiser Permanente, beyond our inpatient unit, which is phenomenal, um, but also supporting the community for mental health and wellness, wellness services, grant funding to reduce stigma, uh, thriving schools. We have a strong commitment to our schools, knowing how our students, our young ones have been impacted as well as their parents. We have a Thriving Schools Rise initiative you can find online. We're also helping to train educators and students in mindfulness to improve their own resilience and well-being. Uh, in addition to that, if you don't know, KP has an educational theater program, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, and it uh, both provides both on-site and virtual uh, programs to help students dress, address stress, anxiety, depression, and fostering resilience. So what I love about KP is it's not within the four walls, right? It is wherever you need and seek care. So we understand the importance of our commitment to mental health and wellness. Um, you know, our tagline is all about thrive and you cannot thrive if you don't have strong uh, mental health and support. So those are just a few examples of what we're doing in the mental health space. Those are fantastic examples, Carrie. Uh, from mental health to another issue that's received a lot of attention this year, the need for diversity, equity and inclusion. Uh, it's a core value of ACHE, as you know, and it's a value that Kaiser Permanente is well known for fostering. Your practices, they reach across every aspect of the organization from patient care to career advancement and then out into the community, as you just mentioned. So since we've been talking about patients, let's start there. What are some of the ways that Kaiser Permanente is working to address equity in care? Uh, again, like you just said, whether that's within the hospital walls or out in patients' communities. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the pandemic um has just shown a stark light on how our communities of color um, are and have been struggling mm -hmm. from being disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 to economic uncertainty, to social injustices. Racism has become known as a public health crisis and it is one. Uh, I'm proud of Kaiser Permanente's steadfast commitment to equal access to high quality, affordable care. Most recently, um, and it has taken front and center on ensuring that we do and have equitable distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, just a couple of very specific examples uh, in particular about the, the vaccine distribution. We open up a mass vaccination sites throughout California and in Northern California open four specific uh, vaccination hubs to jumpstart the vaccine access in our communities of color. In particular, a Stockton, California is a site uh, um, to 
and, and home to many essential agricultural workers of color who have suffered from high COVID-19 vaccine, uh, vaccine or rates uh, and relatively low levels of vaccinations. So the site had capacity to do 5,400 vaccinations a day. Uh, we also opened up other sites and did micro pop-up sites um, throughout California and areas where we saw those vaccination rates low and um, focused in to ensure that the vaccine rates and communities of color disproportionately impacted uh, were just as high as those with um, in areas of affluence. Again, we also had this really cool thing called Faith and Facts. It's an educational series and it's a partnership with our local communities of faith. So Kaiser sponsored a series of online education sessions um, talking about, let's talk about COVID-19 vaccine. The series addressed vaccine hesitancy among Black and African-American as well as our Latinx communities to help increase vaccination rates among our communities of color. The series allowed us to address the special concerns that were presented to us in an established uh, way of trust and credibility. And I'm also proud, uh, just recently, um, we uh, have been announced as uh, part of uh, KP joining the White House to join uh, uh, all together across the country to reach that 70% vaccination by July 4th. And while I, we know within uh, KP members are already greater than 70%, our employees are already over 70%, we know our role is to even help the additional communities that we serve even if they are not KP members, to get past that 70% rate. Um, and that means doing uh, $10 million of community grants. So we're targeting 100 community-based organizations to receive funding to continue to promote vaccine confidence messages and engage organizations such as churches and schools and trusted community hubs. We're also doing an immunity sweepstakes that I'm really excited about. So the, for those people who are in California or in other areas that are served by Kaiser Permanente, and if you're uh, anyone uh, 12 years and older, you might be able to uh, join our sweepstakes where we're gonna be giving out uh, lots of fun uh, prizes just to encourage excitement around, uh, especially our youth uh, to get vaccinated. That's just one example of how we're bringing equity into everything we do. Um, the other thing that I think is helpful for healthcare leaders maybe to know is that we are looking at all of our quality measures that we track within KP, and there's a lot, is putting that equity lens on every single quality measure we look at to ensure overall we might have a really amazing rate of um, you know, sepsis bundle compliance or hospital acquired conditions. But is that true for every race and gender and, and cut of ethnicity um, in all of our facilities? So it's really doing that deeper dive to make sure we truly have an equity lens on quality uh, within Kaiser Permanente. Yeah, incredible uh, progress being made there, Carrie. A quick reminder for our listeners, today's episode is being brought to you by Elsevier as misinformation multiplies, giving your clinicians easy access to the most trusted, current, evidence-based information is more important than ever. Elsevier's Clinical Key can help. Download the executive brief at trustclinicalkey.com. 
Com. All right, Carrie, you have been recognized by multiple well-respected organizations as a top workplace for racial and ethnic diversity, for gender diversity, for LGBTQ plus individuals, and for individuals with disabilities. And on top of that, Kaiser Permanente, you just mentioned, been striving for many years to have its C-suites and boards reflect the diversity of the workforce and some of the communities you serve. So first off, Congratulations. And second, can you tell us more about that ongoing work? First, thank you so much. It is I had so much pride here. And yeah. let's just say happy Pride Month yes. for, for everybody as well. So there's so much to say here. Today, I'll share maybe some recent work on the journey to, as just a small example, to empower and advance women and people of color at Kaiser Permanente to learn, to lead, uh, and embrace a growth mindset in order to create an inclusive workplace for all. Specifically, I'd like to share one of the programs that focuses on our Latinx workforce, which is the fastest growing population uh, of members that we have within Kaiser Permanente, but is vastly underrepresented, unfortunately, in levels of our organization. Uh, in partnership with our KP Latinx Association, yes, we have one. It's an internal affinity group, and we've co-created a leadership development program, program called Latina Vida, which is an organization recognized for their advancement of Latinx professionals to reach their highest levels of career aspirations. So it's a great program. It focuses on building the skills needed, promoting strong positive identity, uh, eliminating those stereotypes, empowering uh, resourcefulness, creativity, uh, tenacity, and collaboration, fostering, most importantly, and fostering that movement and progress toward their professional goals. So here's the great thing. We've also tracked the results of this program. So the program's proven to increase confidence um, and ensuring that we actively map out career progression and helping our Latinx employees to make both lateral and promotional job moves uh, thanks to their sense of empowerment and, and new insights. That there's so much ground to, to cover with this. I'm so excited about the work by all of our team across all of our diverse uh, Kaiser Permanente um, workforce to grow, develop, to support each other. And this is just this this program that I just mentioned is just one highlight in the diversity leadership that we have going on in Kaiser Permanente. Yeah, I love the importance of embracing that growth mindset um, in order to create that inclusive environment. Uh, while we're on the topic of careers, Carrie, we ask all the fellows who come on the podcast how their F-A-C-H-E has helped them advance in their goals. And in your case, of course, we can go further and also ask about how your commitment to leadership within A-C-H-E has impacted your journey. Great. So I joined um, ACHE as an undergraduate student member, and we're not going to talk about when that was. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a bit, it was a little while ago. Um, but I knew early on what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a difference in the care of others. And I attended my first ACHE Congress in Chicago, um, again, many years ago. Uh, and I was surrounded by thousands of people from all over the world who wanted to do the same thing that I did uh, to make a difference. And frankly, many of them were already making a difference. They were already living, living my dream. Um, so beyond the great education, the fabulous speakers and the great networking, it was this sense of belonging to something, to something bigger. 
um, essentially joining a tribe of amazing individuals. Uh, so while I've worked in different systems over the years in different parts of the country, ACG has been a constant in my career. Um, it's been with me the entire time. Uh, some of the best people, mentors, mentees in my life, I've met through ACG. So serving as chapter president and regent and, and on the board and, and now as chair have been um, truly the privilege of a lifetime. I've created lifelong friendships um, and, and they've helped me become a better leader. Uh, serving in a leadership role is just a small, very small way I can give back to an association that has given me so much. And a, I guess a small way to make a larger difference in the next generation of healthcare leaders. All right. Speaking of the next generation, let's talk about the future. We mentioned earlier that you are the chair of the ACHE board this year. So tell us what's going on at ACHE right now that has you really excited for the future of the organization. Oh, Eric, I'm just, it's all about excitement. And I'm so glad you asked the question. The pandemic has pushed all of us all of us, including ACHE, to pivot and adapt and change in ways and at speeds we never anticipated. So under Deb Bowen, the ACHE staff and the board, we held the first ever virtual Congress with over 9,000 attendees, um, was just amazing. It was, set, it was just so well done. And, and beyond that, we've continued that excitement to drastically expand our virtual footprint in education. While I'm looking forward to seeing everybody back in person, I am, I'm looking forward to hugging my colleagues. You know, I, you know, we'll have to work on the social distance and make sure everybody's vaccinated. Um, but the, the board's focus at our strategy session later this month is all around building on the success of the past year, learning from the opportunities, and really listening to our members in the field and what their needs are. Everybody's in a different place with this pandemic uh, and they're needing different things. Um, also our commitment, commitment to equity, inclusion and diversity has never been more important and supporting our members through recovery, both personally and professionally, really building that resiliency muscle, um, expanding our career navigation uh, support for students, uh, up to senior executives um, who are retiring. Um, but I think we call it preferment now because most of the retirees I know are now saying, all right, how can I interact with healthcare in and in perhaps in a, in a different way? So what, is, what does that look like for people who still want to give back to, to healthcare, but maybe you're thinking or understanding how to, how do you move from retirement into preferment, right? Um, so, so much to do. There's so much to do and there's so much excitement, so many great ideas that are bubbling up from all corners of uh, ACHE. And I know that we have the right team uh, in place to make it happen. So I'm excited to be with the board later, later this month, hearing from our members and, and making our dreams um, become reality. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, it sounds like ACHE is definitely in great hands this year. Want to thank you so much uh, for your time today. I know how busy your schedule it is, uh, schedule is and what a great conversation this was. Uh, likewise, Eric, uh, anytime. 
And want to thank our listeners for their time today. Want to remind you that today's episode of the Healthcare Executive Podcast was brought to you by Elsevier as misinformation multiplies, giving your clinicians easy access to the most trusted, current, evidence-based information is more important than ever. Elsevier's Clinical Key can help. Download the executive brief at trustclinicalkey.com. All right, take care and we'll see you next time. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ACHE.org. <laughs>